I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 240, Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast about video games. How's it going, gentlemen? Pretty, pretty good. good. 244. Mm-hmm. That was going to be my guess, but I didn't want to be wrong because I'm sure all the listeners would want to correct me. <laughs> That's true. So many listeners corrected Kevin about uh, about his, his Werner Herzog. He when he when he was speaking about Agira, he was uh, actually referring to Fitzcarraldo. Yeah, um, yeah. So and, if we want more listener mail, we don't have to ask where we can just start making a bunch of just mistakes. Start to make mistakes. Yep. Yeah. 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 It, the, there was a remarkable array of corrections. I got a That's text great. from my girlfriend telling okay. me that you were wrong. We got multiple listeners' mail su- submissions on the website. Telling us that you were wrong. Got an email saying that you were wrong. A bunch of uh, Slack messages. Okay, yeah. Yep. Probably some tweets. This I got an email basically about... how the internet works. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I got a personal email from a listener about Werner Herzog. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> what did it have to say? Werner Herzog? Yeah, is, is <laughs> oh, Werner one of our listeners? Oh, I don't remember off the top of my head, so this is a great story. Uh, I remember he talked specifically about Grizzly Man, which... Okay. Um... Is this the do- documentary about the guy that going into the Revenant? I thought the Revenant was also about. Okay, <laughs> but turned out not to be. Different time period, I think. Yeah, yeah. no, it's the different guy, different. <laughs> okay, different bear victim. Because the guy, the I've not seen Grizzly Man, but it's is that's the guy who builds the like suit to interact with bears, right? I don't. Does he build I don't a suit? Know if he has a suit. He definitely like spends years among the bears. I yeah. think there might be a different documentary oh, really? about a guy that made a suit to be able to interact oh, okay. with bears. That is also what I always thought Grizzly Man was. I think the problem with the guy from The Revenant is that that whole story took place well before the birth of Werner Herzog <laughs> or the invention of the camera. Right, or the right, right. Of bears. Yeah. That's yeah. why the video quality is so bad. Yeah, there were just there were just these weird proto bears that were all pixelated. Yeah, <laughs> Te- everybody, teddy bears. Everybody thought slugs. they looked like ducks. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Cool. I have not yet watched any more um, Werner Herzog movies. I. Okay. I Fully intend to watch every Werner Herzog movie at this point on the strength of Encounters at the End of the World. Okay. I'm serious. Like, I, th- I, th- I would like to go on a journey, and I would like to report the results of each step of that journey to our listeners as it happens. Go backwards in time. That would probably be a more start inter- Start most start recent most and recently. go back, yeah, so yeah. then it'll just be like... But also play the movies backwards. It'll be like backwards. life. It'll just get more and more disappointing <laughs> until finally it's over. Yeah. Mm, I, and I'm sure that Werner Herzog would agree wholeheartedly with that sentiment. He probably would. Uh <laughs> You know what I watched instead was so I had a couple weird moments. I, I went to um, I went to uh, Chicago, Chicago with Amelia this past weekend to visit a friend of hers from high school, uh, and I didn't sleep very well because I was like at a stranger's house in a weird bed. And man, do I not miss the way that it gets hot in the Midwest? Mm. It was oppressive. Just the 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 combination of heat and humidity. It was just miserable. Like you're. Just your balls. It's they're it's like a the worst thing in the world. <laughs> just right there in between your legs all day, every day. It just I like I have to imagine that if you're a heterosexual woman, you have this undercurrent in your mind, like eh, balls are pretty gross, but you can just not think about it. You know, you can just like eh, limited involvement, whatever. But as a guy, they're still gross, but they're just there all the time and terrible. <laughs> and you're reminded of that, or at least I sure. am, when it is humid. Zach. And it sucks. Zach. Yeah? Have you tried both 
I don't know which would be better. Have you tried both boxers and briefs? I'm not going to... Oh, God. I'm not going to go back to briefs. Like, I'm already freaking out about turning 40, and <laughs> like going back to briefs would just cement it. Have you heard about like, uh, boxer, boxer briefs? briefs? I, I hate that idea so much that I refuse to even consider it. <laughs> okay. What about uh, liberal telk? What about wearing a jockstrap all the time? Okay. It's, yeah. I So, I never wore a jockstrap, except in combination with a cup, like in karate. Does a jockstrap do something without I, a I cup? Have, I have it? no idea. I've actually never worn one at all, so... Is it like... Probably keeps your junk sort of in the... Like, from flopping around while you're doing... I mean, didn't super- the ancient Olympians do it nude? Yeah, that's where they're all dead now. Yeah. I mean, wasn't the... I feel like the extra momentum that you get from your balls swinging with you as you whirl around probably I mean, afforded some extra distance to the discus. It's... <laughs> I mean, you assume that it's it's revolving in the same in the same direction. That could also slow you down <laughs> contrary-wise. You know. I, guess, I guess it could. Your balls could act as a gyroscope yeah. attempting to stabilize the discus instead that, of know, accelerate that, it. That two pendulums problem. <laughs> it's... <laughs> that's, that's a big three problem, pendulum riff. problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the heat in Chicago made me realize the extent of my two pendulums problem. Okay. <laughs> but I didn't sleep all that well. This is a story about Tom Francis. <laughs> so is it? Okay. It turns out <laughs> your okay. nickname for your balls. <laughs> yes, Tom and Francis. No, I'll I'll thank you to remember that my nicknames for my balls are Ball Rudd and Ball Blart. Okay. I woke up twice in the, in the middle of the night, and I don't remember if it was the same night or subsequent nights or the same episode of Crate and Crowbar or subsequent episodes of Crate and Crowbar. But two two things happened at these moments when I woke up hearing Tom Francis talking into my earbuds about things. One was that he was talking about you, Kevin, oh. uh, in the context of some puzzle game, maybe Steven Sausage Roll, in a, very, in a very, uh, very flattering capacity. And I thought, I woke up thinking, ah. I like my friends Tom Francis and Kevin Simmons. Aww, and the sweet. second one was him talking about a piece of music from the soundtrack of the movie Sunshine, which he really liked. Okay. Which led me to remember that I saw like three quarters, uh, turns out to be like seven eighths of the movie Sunshine back when it was like on HBO and I still had cable and you would have the experience where you turned on a television and there was a thing playing and it was pretty good. So you watched the rest of it, even though you hadn't seen the beginning. This I may I might be confusing this with Little Miss Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. <laughs> I think you're probably confusing it with both of those things. Yes. Sunshine is a Danny Boyle movie from 2007 about a space mission. It takes place according to the Wikipedia article and nothing in the movie that I remember mm-hmm. in 2057 and there has been some sort of stellar cataclysm and the sun has started to die. Okay. And so uh Cillian Murphy who's the actor who plays the protagonist in 28 days later is a physicist who designs this like bomb to shoot into the sun to like create a new star inside the sun and get it fissioning again correctly. But it's basically like, uh, sci-fi. Do they have to like outrun the sun exploding again? No, I think the premise is that they just die. Well, they're not supposed to. Like, they're supposed to be able to make it home. Uh, spoiler alert. Oh, this movie's nine years old at this point. There had been a previous mission, 
and they were like the second one. And the previous mission used up almost all of the fissionable materials on Earth. The second one is using the rest of them. (laughs) So like to make this bomb. Um, and so then it's they, like, like the last find chance. the other ship. They find the other ship, yeah. And it's it's really, really good, except for the oh. weird part where it like turns into like a fucked up slasher movie. For, because like, the guy like n- like lets yeah, himself like the like, guy from the previous ship is still alive and turns into like a monster that chases them around and cuts them with knives. Yeah. What? And it's like, why it- are you doing this to this movie? Danny Oh, Danny Boyle. <laughs> My pipes are calling for you to not. Am I it- remembering right that like they, you never actually see the guy's face. They just have like weird blur effects over the frame yeah, every time. Well, so because another thing that's, that's interesting about it that they set up and, and quasi deliver on is that like when, and so it's like, this has the amount of mass as the this has the same mass as the entire island of manhattan so as soon as this gets close to the sun we're gonna see some fucked up relativity effects with space and time which like no you're not like (laughs) the sun does not give a fuck about like so this was part of why i quit facebook the first time when i got into an argument about (laughs) nuclear power with some friends of friends of some friends of mine from high school where they were like nuclear waste is a serious issue and i was like but it is just a tech problem. Like, eventually we will be able to fire it into the sun and it won't matter. And they said, you have no idea what would happen if we fired a bunch of nuclear waste into the sun. That is irresponsible. I was like, if the entire Earth fell into the sun a million times, the sun would not give a fuck. <laughs> so, yes, I do know what would happen if we fired all of the nuclear waste that we are ever able to produce in the entirety of human history into the sun. Nothing is what would happen if we did that. Fucking hippies. Jesus Christ. Delete Facebook account. Anyway, that's my story about the movie Sunshine. <laughs> it's a pretty good movie <laughs> that I watched instead of a Werner Herzog movie because Tom talked about a song in it. Thanks, Tom. So is the song the one that's in a whole bunch of trailers now? Oh, you're no. You're, the, the like. It's like a Daggio and D, I think is the name of oh, it. Oh, yeah, maybe it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, you're right. Okay. So maybe it has maybe it has made it out of there. I What what was I thinking of? There's another trailer song that was in everything for a long time. Oh, that was in um, the movie about drugs. Oh, Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. Ah, fuck. What is that called? It's it. I've heard a couple of like titles for it. One of them is Marion Barfs, isn't? Which I think is what happens during that song in the movie. Isn't that the Kronos Quartet that's playing? Yeah, it is. uh, And then there was Lux Eterna. Oh, that's right. Okay. And then there was like a... That's also from 2001, right? Is it? I thought... Is it not? I thought it was a Kronos Quartet song from the... From Does, the wait, is Kronos Quartet... Like, is that all original music or are they playing... Oh. Are they oh, playing good... other composers' pieces? So Lux Eterna is a composition by Clint Mansile, the oh, light no. motif of the 2000 film Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. I'm thinking... What am I thinking of? I am thinking of... Thus... Also, Sprock no, Zarathustra. No, no, no. It's uh, it's boom, something boom, else. Boom, 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 boom. Huh, Clint, it's the Ligeti. Is the Ligeti piece from two thousand one? Is what I'm thinking. Clint of. Mansell is from Pop Will Eat Itself, not from the Chronos Quartet. But huh. um, my memory is so bad that I just I get to learn. You make things connections all the time. You learn things from your own notes. It's great to yourself. It's like you're like that guy in Memento. Oh, so no, okay. Ligeti does have a piece called Lux Eterna, which I think is was used in. Oh. That's why I was confused. 
So there's just multiple songs named Lux Eterna, and we only knew about one of them, and you only knew about another one. Yes. And we didn't know what it was called. Yeah, maybe that Sunshine... Uh, is it Adago? Adagio? It's I think it's Adagio. 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 For yeah. strings. Yeah, it is a very, like, movie trailer yeah. kind of song. It's it's it, just a very simple instrument. I mean, not simple. It's it's very it, lush, it, it but is, very straightforward. But, it, yeah, it's very straightforward is a good way to put it. Uh, so... Uh, Sunshine. I saw that movie instead of another Werner Herzog movie. Okay. Have you guys consumed any media worth talking about? I'm watching uh, Parks and Rec. I'm on season three now. I kind of ran out of steam at like season six or seven. It's yeah, it's, it's seven good. seasons of it. It's a so. good show. Yeah, it's it seems like it's a little uneven from moment to moment, but I I enjoy it overall. I had no reason going in to believe that it was. Not like I think it's closer to Arrested Development than it is to How I Met Your Mother, okay, or Two and a Half Men or whatever. Like it doesn't have a laugh track, right? Which that to me is like kind of the first rule yeah, of Fight Club, most most important thing. <laughs> Although you know, Mash had a laugh track. Yeah, did it really? Yeah, or it? Yeah, well, maybe it didn't. I think it did. I'm not sure. I want to say it did. But yeah, I mean, I like Red Dwarf, and Red Dwarf unfortunately had a laugh track. But, well, it, was, it wasn't a laugh it was a studio audience. But if a show is good enough, it can overcome a laugh track. Yeah, how do you guys feel about studio audiences? Oh, Rash, Rash did have a math stack. <laughs> Rash Ser- had a math stack? And it, Series uh, creators Larry Gelbart and Gene Reynolds wanted MASH broadcast without a laugh track, just like the actual Korean War, he remarked dryly. <laughs> <laughs> Though CBS initially rejected the idea, a compromise was reached that allowed for omitting the laughter during operating room scenes if desired. But then seasons one through five utilized a more invasive laugh track. Yeah, so a more subdued audience was employed for six seasons six through eleven. Like, <laughs> wow. to put out the call for. Okay. All right. So, do you think that addicts. do you think that death is funny, but not like that funny? <laughs> you might want to be in our studio audience. Okay, so Red Dwarf is a good sitcom with a laugh track. Yeah. Hmm. Super well written, too. Three's Company was filmed in front of a live studio audience, as I recall. I have not gone back to watch that at all, and I think I probably would hate it as an adult. Did you like it as a kid? I did, and I watched all of it. Like, I watched it. It was in syndication, I think, when I started watching it, and so it was just on every day. Night Court had a laugh track, and I yeah. I think oh, I like of Night Court as being good. I mean, the yeah. Golden Girls had a laugh track, and we all we all know how we all feel about the Golden Girls. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like I was back when I was watching Night Court and Golden Girls. I had not yet developed the the sort of distaste for laugh track that I did. for popul- so populist do dreck. Do you guys yeah. not make the distinction between a studio audience and a laugh track? Not Actually, really. no, not really. Because, okay. I mean, you know they're being held up signs that say, laugh now. Are say, they? woo! Yeah, okay. Anytime something, like, sexy happens. It'd be cool to have some of those signs. It'd be cool if you could just, like, carry those signs around and hold them up in front of crowds of people and they would work. <laughs> yeah? I mean, have you ever tried it? It might. It would be easier just to have a device that makes the noises <laughs> if you push a button. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say a device that actually like forces people to applaud whether <laughs> oh, they want yeah. to or not. Like, uh, like, uh, like a cattle prod. 
<laughs> the Wooinator. <laughs> Two cattle prods, one one on each arm. Oh yeah, there you go. Look at that that dance item in World of Warcraft. Yeah, or oh, yeah. The, yeah, the the yeah the, the party grenade. The, is that what that is? Yeah, man. <laughs> I love shit like that. People were so mad. There was also the train. There was a yeah. train set that you right. could put on the ground, and it would make everybody do the choo choo. Oh, that's uh, and that is a. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but that is an emote. The like the fact that you can make any World of Warcraft character do a motion like they're pulling a train whistle and go choo choo chugga 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 <laughs> stems from like in EverQuest. If you aggroed too many, mo- there was no reset range on aggro for monsters, so it like people would regularly just fuck up and aggro a hundred monsters, and they would yell train as they were running back to town where the guards would kill those monsters so that people would know to watch out for these like hundreds of aggressive creatures <laughs> that they were trailing behind them in a train of aggroed monsters and like because that's not a thing that can happen in world of warcraft in a meaningful way that that it's just seems a, like such a weird relic it's just a fun thing to do yeah it's just like a part of the it's a part of the culture of the developers of World of Warcraft more than it was a part of a culture of the players. Sure. Which is neat. The, yeah. the times when players would train some giant monster back to a town were kind of amazing. Yeah. It was, was like it was a, special it was like because it was so hard to do. It was like yeah. it had to rely on a bug, like a monster not having a reset radius or you or having, you some having to regularly thing that you do could damage. do to regularly like yeah. yeah, like reset its Yeah, oh man. So good. It all of those stories are of their time. You know, like those things could only happen in the environment that existed when they happened. And like when people talk about like, ah, you'd never have that in the like modern sanitized version of World of Warcraft. Like it's <laughs> Just, you wouldn't have anything else either. I bet <laughs> Destiny has a train emote. I wonder. I bet you have to pay like 90 bucks for it. Oh, wasn't, man. wasn't there some scandal about them charging for Destiny emotes? The, we're, we're on the cutting edge of video games news. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. There's a there's a really good Tumblr that uh, Anthony Birch has, which is No Wrong Way to Play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just a collection of like people doing unusual things in video games. And I think it's, I think that kind of thing is great. Yeah. Emotes in destiny are cosmetic actions. Players can activate by hitting the D pad buttons on the controller. There are three default emotes, greet dance and sit that can be activated by hitting up, down and right respectively. The fourth emote left arrow can be swapped to other emotes from the inventory menu. Oh man, there's a lot. Cool. A lot of them are purchased from Tess Everest for various amounts of silver. Let's see if there is a train one. There is not a train one. Oh, man. There is no train emote in Destiny. Confirmed opposite of Game of the Year. Do, do you think that world just doesn't have trains in it? <gasps> wow, does Destiny take place in an alternate future where EverQuest never existed? <laughs> I think I can count on zero hands the number of times that I in real life have like made a train whistle and gone choo choo. You just I, did. Oh yeah. well, fuck. A couple times. So I'm like yeah, a couple times. <laughs> have you never fed a child? 
And here comes a train. I'm just slamming this entire salami down your throat. <laughs> here comes the subway. <laughs> here comes this bulldozer. Get ready for 40 pounds of mashed potatoes. It's good for you. You're a growing boy. Open real wide. No wider. <laughs> Hold on. Let me grab the funnel. <laughs> Uh, here comes the Hyperloop. <laughs> You're already fed. Is it normal to have a funnel in your kitchen? Uh, huh. it's, a, it's, it's normal to have one at your bar. I was surprised when April didn't have a funnel. What would, what would you use it for, though, really? You know, if you pour too much of a thing out, you put it back. Yeah. Anything you just, with, you know. Once it's small, out of the vessel, I, it's tainted. I gave yeah. her one for her birthday. Oh, that was so oh, nice. <laughs> the kitchens need yeah. funnels. Here's, here, happy birthday, honey. Here's a thing I think you should have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I just like always had. There was always a funnel in the kitchen growing up, and like yeah. I probably used it once a year. I don't forget. Like I, I always had a funnel in the kitchen in Arizona, but that was because we did a lot of science. Yeah, we did a lot of fluid <laughs> experiments. Okay. There. Yeah. Oh man, you know what I'm gonna do tonight. I'm gonna make some Skittles vodka for uh, for tomorrow. Does it only need one day? Um, I don't know. I'm. I, it only needs one day to look like it's colored. I don't want to serve it to anybody. I certainly don't want to drink it myself. Does what is it gonna be brown? Like what color? No, are you no, gonna make separate about? Are you gonna make different yeah, yeah, colors? Yeah, I bought vodkas? I bought a bunch of individual smaller glass bottles from Amazon uh, to, to make this. Mostly, I just want some. Bottles of multicolored fluid on my mantelpiece sure. to look like potions. Okay, and and they will, they will. Are you having uh, a wizard party? No, we're having a we're having a taco Thursday, which uh, Kevin and I simultaneously made the joke that it's it would be a taco Thursday where yeah. we would play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> For those listeners who don't get that joke, uh, you're twenty th- years out of date. <laughs> yeah, twenty years ago, the way the Dungeons and Dragons worked is that. In order to determine whether you would hit an enemy or not, you would roll a 20-sided die and consult a chart. You wouldn't really consult a chart. You would just do some arithmetic based on your character's... The the chart definitely existed, though. It did. Based on your character's Thaco, which is two-hit armor class zero. So you had an X in 20 chance to hit a character who had an armor class of zero with no modifiers on it. So, and we're, and that went away when they stopped making better armor classes negative. Is that right? Yeah. So like a, a shitty set of armor would be negative one armor because that was the number that got applied to the Thaco of people who were trying to hit you. Anyway, Thaco jokes. Thaco Thursday. Gonna make some tacos. Gonna make some tacos tomorrow. Could also have a Taco Thursday. <laughs> That's true. That, go the other it direction. is his day. Turkey Taco Tuesday. Turkey what shall ta- we? Uh, what Tuesday. shall we eat uh, in honor of our one-eyed father on Woden's Day? <laughs> um, the flesh of Woden. W. Watermelon. Watermelon Woden's Day. Watermelon. <laughs> watermelon. Watermelon. Just paint Walt. it blue first. Walter Melon. Why would you change it? Why would you paint it blue? Because Wode. Oh, right. Yeah, what Wode is Wode. Wode is the paint that the Celts would put on. Uh, on their faces. Yeah. Like in Braveheart. Wait, wait was it what? Celts or Scots? Okay, so what is it then? Both, I think, maybe. What? Yeah. It's some kind of hallucinogenic plant derivative, I think. Okay. 
Common name of a flowering plant in the family Brassicaceae. It is commonly called Dyer's Woad. It is occasionally known as Asp of Jerusalem. Nice. Why isn't it always called Asp of Jerusalem? (laughs) Like, what's that? Like a Jerusalem cricket? Jerusalem anything. Like, just makes it sound awesome. It's true. I got a Jerusalem hand job the other day. I bet if you live near Jerusalem, it sounds really mundane. It sounds really boring, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just a... If you say, I got a San Francisco hand job the other day, that's like... Different implication entirely. You could play Wetrix on Wednesday, and it would be Wetrix Woden's Day. Okay, so do you think that playing Wetrix is is a good way of honoring Woden? It's just a good way to spend your life. Yes. How did Wetrix work? I, you, you were like filling like, not Weltris, Wetrix. You were, you were like filling, it was like a, a height field based game where you were digging craters for lakes and water was falling from the top of the screen. And I don't remember how like that actually translated to a score. But there was this crazy combo system based on, like, the, I think the number of lakes you can maintain at once. It's pretty special. So whatever that state was, that's the land of a thousand lakes. Did you guys ever do that thing where you folded the land of lakes label to make it look like you could see the Native American woman's boobs? I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. You know how you can, like, turn George Washington's head into a mushroom? I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. You did not spend a lot of time folding dollar bills. Yeah, you know, I didn't. Al Jaffe would be really disappointed in you. (laughs) Um, Folded a bunch of his shit. Well, yeah, but he wasn't like he was trying to teach you something. It was like the witness. Like, yeah, he was trying to. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Anyway, you can fold a dollar bill to make George Washington look like a mushroom, or you can fold a land, the Land of Lakes logo to make her knees go where her boobs would be, and then it looks like you're seeing some boobs, but there's no nipples. So if you're going to draw some nipples on there, you might as well just draw some better boobs somewhere else. It, uh, it's kind it of might, a waste of time. It might yeah. honestly be that like I had the internet before you did, so I was just like had easy access to <laughs> right. porn. So you didn't need to jerk off the dollar bills. <laughs> <laughs> and there's probably a way to fold a dollar bill. Like, Mycophilia. Mico- I mean, we, we need like a SETI at home style program. <laughs> to, like, folding clap. at home. Yeah, folding at home. Bill at and home. its goal is not curing cancer, but figuring out a way to fold it. <laughs> A one dollar bill into, into porn. porn. <laughs> wow! All right, guys, uh, we've cracked it. Uh, this is our million dollar idea, and it's our one dollar idea. You got to take a deep breath after that one. Do you remember, uh, uh, Kevin, when uh, when I visited you in Chicago many years ago, and we went to the Aviary, which was that crazy cocktail lounge? I do. Was video games hot dog a thing then? Is there an episode where we discuss the crazy cocktails that we had at the Aviary? We were definitely recording podcasts because I was definitely doing remote shows in Chicago. I went back there this weekend. And to the aviary, uh, to the aviary, which is a place that does these crazy cocktails that are remarkable, mostly in their presentation. Um, 
the ones that we had the first time that were the most remarkable was there was one that like came with a Bunsen burner and you had to sort of wait for it to bubble up through a kind of a chamber filled with herbs and stuff before you would yeah, drink it. Yeah, it was like a, a, a hot infusion. There was another one that was an infusion in a little transparent canteen yep. that you were supposed to drink like a shot glass of at a time. And over time, it would become more and more infused because the stuff in there infused into it at different rates hmm. and really dramatic. Like it was, I it like was that very, one a lot. Actually. It was a very designed experience because it was really different yep. from, from shot to shot, like what it tasted like. Like and it, was it like got darker and darker experience. over time. Yeah. Yeah. The it's color really changed. Um, clever. There was one that when we were the first time, it was a, it was a cocktail that would be delivered to you in a sealed, plastic bag filled with lavender vapor this time they have replaced that with vaporized oatmeal what <laughs> oh weird yeah so it's like an oatmeal drink um did you try it uh everyone else at the table got it i decided to get something else um so like there were three of them or something there was one the one that i got for that one that we did like a fixed price because i do not know how to pronounce p-r-i-x p-r-i-x f-i-x what p-r-i-s prefix prefee prefee how do you say that i think it's prefix prefix okay i don't know see maybe if i had been a prefect at my school you I would, would know been perfect at pronunciation this. uh there is a cocktail that is a man it, it was a basically just a manhattan the other things that the actual content of these cocktails doesn't matter that much right like they i remember not liking them very much the first time everything was just fucking delicious this time and i don't know what the deal is it was a manhattan entirely enclosed in a sphere of ice and placed in a glass and then they give you a little slingshot to put on top of the glass and pull back like a ball bearing on a rubber band to break the <laughs> sphere of ice open and so the ice becomes the ice in the cocktail that it releases into the glass, which, like, that's not any different than just putting some ice in a Manhattan, but it's cool. It's an experience. It's really cool that, that somebody went to the trouble pretty cool. of they making have, that happen. They have an entire, they have a person whose entire job is to just make different kinds of ice. There's, they have an ice chef. An ICA. An Ielador. <laughs> I don't know what you would call that guy so there were two notable new things okay. this time that uh i had not seen before there were a lot of this, oh uh uh, uh uh amelia's friend from high school got one that had a bunch of they were basically like big marble sized like the things that are in bubble tea like like sort of tapioca spheres Boba. except they were hollow and filled with rum somehow Whoa. Like, it, you would get a thing into your mouth that was pretty... It was like a paintball, but there was rum inside it, and it was edible. Instead of paint. Yeah, instead of paint. Huh. I don't know how they would make these things. I don't... Uh, like, maybe it's like gelatin or something? They were real solid. Like, you could definitely mess with them a lot without accidentally popping them. But then when you bit into them, it was like, sploosh, rum. Like, that was crazy. Uh, I got one that was in a, a a kind of beaker that 
I don't think serves any real purpose. Is an alembic the thing that's like a, a glass sphere with the nozzle coming up and then going back at an oblique angle, like a like a very simple still? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I it don't remember if that's an alembic right, yeah. or a retort. Which one's the Erlenmeyer flask? That's the sort of pyramid-shaped one. The, okay. Yeah, the triangle. Okay. Kind of triangle. Got a got yeah. a round part and then a right triangular. Anyway, this was this was like it was like a sphere with then a little cylinder, a cylindrical opening leading out of it with a with a pouring nozzle. Like I don't think that it serves any chemistry purpose. Like I think it's just just an affectation. But it was it had a mixture of stuff in it that was pretty hot, and then I think had had some dry ice tossed into it at the last minute to create a huge amount of vapor that just smelled real like butterscotchy and delicious. And then it was just a hot cognac drink they brought in like a they were like all right we're gonna bring you a straw once this is cool enough to drink there were like once there were like rad enough to drink yeah (laughs) you know how did the hipster burn his mouth by drinking this weird cocktail out of a spherical flask before it was cool uh there were two i think that they do this on purpose i think that the, the 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 fixed price menu they ramp up the weirdness of the cocktails like hmm. the second round cocktails choices are always weirder than all of the first round ones. And the third ones are the weirdest. Um, and also the second round is the one where there were things where it's like, all right, when they first brought out the canteen infusion ones, they were like, all right, we're going to bring you a glass in a few minutes for you to be able to drink this. And with me, they said of this, of this bubbling one, we're going to bring you a straw in a few minutes when this is cold, cool enough to drink. Um, and it was just like this delicious butterscotchy cognac thing. Huh. And then I ordered, because I saw somebody having it at another table, this extracurricular cocktail that was just a, a, a fourth one for me. Because I also just lapped everybody the whole time. I was drinking way faster than everybody else was. But it is served in a... It comes to you in a bottle that has a ship in it <laughs> on its side. <laughs> but... The ship is made of glass. Okay. So it it's really if the ship is made of glass, it's maybe not as impressive because you could have made the bottle later, right? Like a, a wooden ship, you can't like blow a glass bottle, a molten glass bottle around a wooden ship. But the glass would yeah, melt. I'm sure that was right. Yes. If it, you it, that wasn't a real okay opinion that I was <laughs> okay. just having there. It, the ship was like glass and like, I think the sails might have been metal. Like they, there, there might have been like sort of like chromed metal sails on it. Uh, and they bring that out and they let it, they let you look at it for a while. <laughs> and then they bring Is out. Is there a liquid in it? Oh, oh, no, no. First, first they bring you like an old timey candlestick with a like deliberately weathered candle on it. Like they take a candle and they melt it and probably like, maybe there's a machine for making candles look old where you, you light it and then you like slowly rotate it. So it gets a really, a really deliberately random amount of like wax drips down the side of it. You know, it's like, it just looks like an old candle stub. They bring you that on like a pewter candlestick. They, they let that sit there. Then they bring you the ship in the bottle with the, cocktail in the in the like you know just sort of the bottom part of the bottle below the spout then they bring out like a bowl and a (laughs) little spray bottle of something that i um some sort of mace 
uh, bitters, like okay. a, some some sort of flammable suspension of nutmeg, is what it is. Oh wow! And they spray that across the candle flame, makes a little flamethrower blast into the bowl to coat the bowl with this nutmeg stuff, and then they blow out the candle, and then they pour the boat <laughs> worth of booze into the bowl, and then you drink it out of the bowl. Crazy. Yeah. That, what was that drink called? It was called, I think, Loaded to the Gun Walls. Okay. That was it. I kept, all the people at my table kept, I would look at a drink across the room and think, I wonder what drink that is. And then I would look at the menu and just solve for the pun. But nobody <laughs> believed me. No, like, I was like, oh, in the rocks. That is definitely the the Manhattan that is inside the ice because in the rocks is the pun that you would call that loaded to the gun walls is obviously about a boat so that's got to be the boat one right. but everybody was like no 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 Zach you don't know that doesn't no <laughs> no you you're not good at identifying puns based on limited information you 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 didn't spend the last 13 years of your life writing jokes about cocktails right <laughs> Anyway, the point of this story is I get no respect, I tell you. <laughs> this place sounds great. It's It really is. It, it's so expensive, though. How how much cheaper it, would it be if I didn't actually drink anything? Well, you just wouldn't be able to. It's it's a place that you have to buy a ticket oh, to go. Oh, that's like, right. They charge tickets now. Yeah. They you can't, like, get now. a reservation. You have to, like, make a reservation and pay for it ahead of time. And you can buy extra stuff once you're there. But so, I read an article about how... That has just like doubled their revenue because if you make a reservation, they apparently anyway. like forty percent of the time people oh, just don't show oh, up right. for reservations. When they started selling tickets, that went to like zero percent of people right. not showing up, and so they were always at capacity. And yeah, that's smart. Yeah. What? What's? How much does it cost for a ticket? The, well, the drinks average like 25 bucks a cocktail wow they were yeah. they were 20 when we were yeah. there so there was just there was like their nothing on the 25 percent increase over it was less three than years. like 23 or 24 dollars yeah wow yeah no it's it's it is definitely like a special occasion thing that's i mean and man if it's if they're booked to capacity every night like why yeah and not it, it, do it like it it's such a good affect. Like, it's so, so affected, but like, just, it's affected in a, like, it, what, what is, what do you call affected in a way that you don't mind? Like, affected in a way that, like, you are also affected. Contentious. Like, like, yeah. yeah ah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, just tenuous. Yeah. yeah. It's not. Quality? <laughs> it's just, I'm not any, I'm not any later than this. Just, uh, yeah, just like really aligned to my sensibilities and tastes, and ah, yeah, the aviary. Look it up if you like. If you're like taking an anniversary trip to mm. Chicago, it's it's just great. Like, there are a bunch of really good drinking spots in Chicago. My uh, my favorite spot was the Violet Hour, which is sort of one of those like speakeasy style restaurants where there's no signage or obvious door. <laughs> If you just have to know that there's like a handle in this wall of graffiti and go in. Yeah, those places are fun. Did you, you did know that there is one of those inside the aviary, right? I was aware that there was a, like downstairs. Yeah. Yeah, I was, because they had just opened it like six months before we got there. I, ne I never got to like go see it's it. It's weird when there's a secret bar in a bar. 
There's like the, there's like the one inside Criff Dogs on yeah. St. Mark's in New York, which is like that please, one's cool because it's like tell. a hot dog stand and there's a phone booth and you go into the phone booth and pick up the phone and ask if you can come in and if you can, the other side of the phone booth opens and you're suddenly <laughs> in a secret restaurant. The, just a bar. The one in the neighborhood in San Diego yeah, is pretty good. Which is called the Noble Experiment. That yeah. you just... Is that the the one with the wall of barrels? Yeah. yeah. The, have you been there? I've been to that one, yeah. yeah. There's a, It's just like there's a door... There's a wall in the back that looks like a pile of kegs, but if you just grab one and pull on it, the wall swings open, and then there's just a woman sitting at a podium, and you say, what's this? And she hands you a card that has a <laughs> phone number on it that you can then later text to make a reservation, and it's just... The wall is are just covered with skulls. Yep. So that's pretty cool. I'm trying to think if there's there's got to be other secret bars. Dude, so do you know town. the fucking secret arcade that you just discovered that's apparently been around the corner from your apartment for five years or something? Yeah, like ridiculous. The whole the city is just full of it. You'd think this city would have a lot of it. Yeah. You know what you should do is wait till the, the middle of this month and then buy your tickets for the speakeasy. Oh, yeah. An immersive theater experience that is top notch. <laughs> and I can wholeheartedly recommend it without any... Uh, any ulterior motive. Yeah, without any ulterior motive or uh, what do you call it when... Uh, interest? Conflict of interest, yeah. Yeah. There's no, but there's no conflict. No, there's just interest. Yeah, there's just interest. <laughs> Yeah, if you're in, if you're coming to San Francisco at the end of the year by any by any chance, you should definitely consider yeah, going to the speakeasy. speakeasy. Dress up like you're in the twenties. Go yep. have a fun immersive theater experience. Yeah. So we are like an hour in, and there's been no video games. Cool. I think All right. This is going to be an episode that some people really really like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, luckily, I haven't played any video games. You know what I do want to do is uh, some listeners' mail actually. There were two in particular. Um, were they both about Fitzcarraldo? Well, one of them was. I wasn't going to read the one about Fitzcarraldo. I really should have brought this up ahead of time. Come on, shitty wizard. Ah, come on, shitty wizard. Are we going to are we going to keep wizard. the same wireless network names when we Oh, I don't know. Move to a new <clears throat> location. Tom Francis writes I'm presently listening to video games hot dog both forwards and backwards in time, and my backwards progress has just reached 220, in which a listener informs you that Zach has surpassed Kevin's score in Domino Drop. Zach explains his success as, I played until I got lucky, but then clarifies that there must be some way to be good at the game because I, Tom, have a much higher score. I am writing to dispel that illusion. I have no idea how to play this game. I, too, just got blindly lucky one time, and I guess for a bit longer than you guys. The game appears to be complete garbage mechanically, but it's so beautifully presented and the music is so good that I still get drawn back to it every now and then. Okay. Yeah. So that's that is just a, a game of endurance then. <laughs> ah, well, okay. So that's good. That that uh that dispels my illusions that there was something wrong with me for not being better at Domino Um Oh, right. The other one was from Dylan Ingraham. Uh, hey, guys. Regarding your teens who vape PSA discussion and general talk <laughs> about how the truth ads are real crappy, the truth is in part largely funded by money provided by the... Sorry. The truth is, in fact, large... 
<clears throat> the truth is in large part funded by money provided by tobacco companies as a requirement of medical and class action lawsuits in the nineties. Oh. So some people think the ads are purposefully designed to be as abrasive, condescendingly shitty as possible so that woke teens see them and are like, fuck these guys. If these are the guys who don't smoke, they're assholes and go be cool and smoke cigs instead. Wow. Huh. That, that is a pretty compelling theory. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd buy it. Is it the is woke. Dare secretly sponsored by pot dealers? <laughs> yeah, woke teens. Woke, is that, is that a, a thing? Yeah, woke the word. What woke the word? What is that? No, woke, the, woke is a like word. The word woke oh, adjective sorry. describing like you know people who really get people it. People who aren't sleep. Aren't sheeple, sheeple you need to who need to wake up. Because well, like. It, sleeple. I think they call them sleeple. <laughs> I think yeah, my first exposure to the, this notion was in the Mage, the Ascension, uh, role playing game with the like the White Wolf role playing game, where if the, the people who like have dis- figured out that there's magic in the world are awakened. Yeah, that that probably it like long precedes yeah. the, the the teen slang okay. woke. Yeah, probably cool teens recent, are talking about Mage the Ascension. Oh yeah, when they, <laughs> I'm, when I'm they come up with their new slang. <laughs> oh man, have you guys played any video games? I've played some Imbroglio. Yeah, I'm digging it. I played a lot of Imbroglio too. It's good. The uh, so uh, let me step back for a second and say I. I played a couple games to just sort of understand how it worked. And then I feel like I cheated and just copied the person's board that was, had the number one spot and just played that and got a good score. And I was like, well, I've, I haven't actually done any creative work in this game. I have just like followed somebody else's roadmap to success. I think the, limited number of people on the leaderboard is a testament to the fact that it requires a lot of skill even when you copy the board of it like it requires skillful play even when you have copied a, a board from somebody who played skillfully because i sure as shit can't take one of those and turn it into a There's score a couple really good strategies the are, like everything. Are, are you looking? Sorry, when you look at the leaderboard, are you looking at the your friends on the leaderboard? You can also you just can, look at the you can look at your one. friends, or you can look at everybody. Okay. Yeah. All right. The reason I ask is like I I kept seeing people post screenshots of leaderboards, and it was all names I recognized. Yeah. And I was like, this game is not doing very well. It's it's a little bit of both. Okay. Also, I mean, you probably recognize a bunch of the names at the top of the leaderboards because it like you probably know i mean because like, i know a bunch of game designers yeah, yeah. and and like, i mean like diego catholifold is pretty fucking good at this game and <laughs> shows up on the leaderboards a lot and so that's a name you'd recognize when you saw it um the the guy who developed arcane tower and uh power grounds and who is it what was the yeah what was the newest one amber halls that was the five by five I think Arcane Tower is the newest one, unless he did, unless he made something after Arcane Tower. Oh, okay. Arcane okay. Tower is the one with the daily challenge that we played for a long time. Right. Okay. Amber Halls was the was very earlier. similar, yeah. like uh, previous to that. Yeah. And apparently, so he, there must be an even newer one because uh, Michael Bro in his uh, blog was talking about him having made a three by three roguelike. <laughs> so. There's got to be another game out there. interested in game design should read Michael Bro's blog. It is like this. 
his posts are kind of stream of consciousness, but it's real good. Yeah. The, the different kinds of influences and the, the process, just the like historical process by which he arrived at Imbroglio was really fascinating. I don't remember if I said this on a podcast or just to you guys, but I really wish we lived in a world where there was some Bennett Foddy who was a billionaire for some reason who right. could just establish a think tank. Where <laughs> like he Microsoft would... buys Quap for $2 billion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who could just establish a think tank of people making video games. Yeah. Because it would be really nice if Michael Bro could make a comfortable living doing a thing that he is arguably one of the most important people doing very very arguably like right. i think the fact that other game designers really admire his work does not necessarily make like i mean musicians really like frank zappa right i don't know that that makes frank zappa like super important but important in an interesting way uh, it it he's indirectly influential right like the 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 people yeah, that the, I guess that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So Im, yeah, indirectly important. I mean, you're also just important, Michael, and really nice. He was a nice guy. He came to one of our parties, and he was like just very gracious and very tall. <laughs> yeah, Imbroglio's good. Is it Imbroglio? 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 Yeah, I don't know. Imbroglio? Furtado? <laughs> I think it's called Furtado. Uh, and then I, I played... So I finally like spent some time playing some arena matches in uh, Hearthstone, and I am just really bad at it. Yeah, it's really hard. Really, really bad. I even... I was even like, okay, well, I'm doing really badly, so how does one get better? And so I like read a little bit about it, and I like used a tier guide... Yeah. To, like pick cards and I still just like could never get better than like three to three yep. games. I mean that's usually average, worse. Right? I guess. I don't know. Cause you get kicked out after you lose three games. Yeah. You can win up to nine, I think. Twelve, I think. Twelve. Is the, okay. The streak. So there's a there is a site called Hearth Arena that you just tell it what three cards it's offering to you and it will tell you which ones you should pick and why. Which is oh. it which is interesting. Apparently, their AI is out of date after some kerfuffle where the main sort of talent behind it got into it with the main money behind it and uh -huh. split off to form something else, which doesn't have the same. I don't know. Uh, Nightfall would know. might write in and tell us, or he might just say it in the Slack, and I can explain it better next okay. time. But um, <clears throat> but it would just say things like, "Well." The tier list would say that you should pick this guy, but you're really low on three drops right now. So, I see. so it keeps it, it keeps your like one. mana yeah, curve like in it, mind it, and like yeah. synergies between cards and stuff. Yeah, that's cool. I don't know that I think that arena is particularly well designed. So the problem that I had was the games were pretty fun, and I had a couple. I had a couple of like just stupid mistakes that made me very angry because the state like it just feels like the stakes are so much higher in those games um because you actually had to spend resources to play those uh but they also it also just takes a long time you have to like if if you are thinking about building your deck it takes a long time to build it and that if you are not winning a bunch of games that time is not really amortized over a bunch of of games right like it's 
it just gets frustrating. It's like, okay, well, I spent like 30 minutes constructing this deck and lost real quick, like lost three games in a row or whatever. Right. Then now I just, I just feel stupid for doing that. And it's, it, it, when you don't have very many cards, it's more interesting because you You get get to to play with a lot of stuff that you don't have. That was, that was cool. Which which is nice. Once you get, like once you've played for, even without giving them a bunch of money, once you've played for a couple of years, like you just have a lot of cards. Hmm. You just end up with a lot of cards. And so there's fewer, like, you know, maybe you'll get to play with like a legendary that you don't own, but like you got all the rares and epics probably at that point. And so there's no real surprises there. I also don't know if it, I don't know how well it balances different arena, like opportunities for a given player against each other. Like you don't always get a legendary. You don't always get the same number of rares or the same number of epics. And I don't know if it pits you against people who had similar card pools. That like you could have just all like low tier rares which would still give you a kind of a crappy deck even if you were lucky by getting them yeah there's a part of me that believes that they made it genuinely random i i definitely felt that way i I had a couple of a couple of draws that were like half of my cards were rare or above and then a couple where i had two rares and and no epics or legendaries so every time you open a pack your chance of getting a legendary goes up until it becomes guaranteed that you will get a legendary after opening 40 packs. And then when you get a legendary, it resets. And so they do some like mitigation of randomness for the purposes of, of a satisfying experience. So knowing that makes me no longer just assume by default that everything is perfectly fairly random. Cause it, it like having it be perfectly random would make it worse. Like, I, I sure. genuinely believe that Arena would be better with some massaging of the... Your first card is always a rare, right? Oh, I don't know. Is it? It was every time that I played it, I, it was a, I selected a, huh. uh, from a set of three rares. It's weird because they're, you know, they're ostensibly emulating magic drafting. And hmm. the way that magic drafting works is that, like, they're at uncommon they build a bunch of cards into sets that are things that you could potentially draft an archetype around. And then there are some rares that support those archetypes. So like maybe you're drafting around that rare too, but there are uncommons that are like, Oh, okay. This is like good enough in a white, black, whatever deck that I should draft white, black based on the strength of this. Based on your first round. Based on the first. Yeah. Like that what's in your first pack. And, And I'm sure that people who are better at like, this is the like, one step above completely naive drafting strategy and people who people who are better at it than I am will understand how dumb I am but Hearthstone can't really do that right right because there's no like packs never come back around to you like there's not it's you're not drafting you're just assembling randomly you're assembling randomly with a little bit of choice yeah it seems like their UI can't ever put more than three cards in front of you. Like nothing ever gives you a choice. Like anytime you dis like the discover mechanic is just here's three cards, pick one. Like you, it seems like they have the there are three cards, pick one. And when you open a pack, there's five cards. Yeah, you don't see that in a game. 
But yeah, you're right. Your hand can be ten cards, but it's you don't yeah. see them all fully at one time. The the tavern brawl this week is you get a you pick a class and it gives you half of a deck that's just randomly selected cards from that class, and then on the first round you're given three zero cost cards to choose from that pick another class and add that classes add random cards from that class into your deck. So it's like a do a split class. Your deck is class. random, but it's random across two classes. Yeah. Uh, but it's just three. Like, it's not like, here's all the other classes. It's right. just, there's just three that it picks randomly. I mean, three is a good number. Is it totally random or is it like, if you go pally, the next three are always determined? I believe it is just random. Okay. I didn't realize that when you are playing the arena, you, you have to choose a class at random from a set of, from uh, a set of three, three classes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, I don't know that I'm going to do arena again. Yeah, I've stopped. It's it is compelling in theory. Maybe like once a month, I will spend an hour or two messing around with it when they have built up some more gold or whatever. Because like the only other thing I would do it with it is buy decks anyway, right? And so it's have you spent any money? Yeah, I bought the um. It's like a couple of, of the adventure, oh, the adventure packs. packs. Yeah, okay. They're cool. Those yeah, that was really fun are. content. I love the single player content. In yeah, I like. It's so good. I want a game that's just that. And doesn't have any PvP. Yeah, it can have PvP if it wants. Okay. Yeah, so that's basically all I played is uh, Imbroglio and Hearthstone. How about you, Jim? What have you been playing? I feel like when the DVD of this podcast comes out, we should have a alternate audio track where for that whole conversation, Riff and I are just talking about Bloodborne. <laughs> I feel like the the interest, uh, the listener interest, does not overlap much between those two things. I actually don't have to one on on one ear and the other on the other. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just take out yeah, yeah. one of your earbuds. Yeah, if you want to hear me and Kevin talk about Hearthstone, switch to the right channel. If you want to hear Jim and Riff talk about Bloodborne, switch to the left channel. It's good. It's a great idea, actually. We could cut down on all our bandwidth costs yeah <laughs> you could listen to them both at quadruple speed right uh, and just go insane <laughs> yeah yeah you were learning about how we're two different consciousnesses oh, in, in one brain yeah it's, it's fucking I, weird isn't it i i should link that in the in the show notes show notes or yeah. the slack we could just spend the rest of the podcast talking about split brain stuff uh, it is so deeply deeply like existentially horrifying yes uh-huh uh-huh well, the fun part, like, is that I'm, I'm at the point where I, I fully believe that it's more than two. More than two. That you're just actually a collection of your, your, your brain is a collection of, of competing processes okay. that are all squabbling over who gets to be you that moment, hmm. who wow. gets to make the actual decision. Yeah, I'll buy that. So and, when we put somebody in jail, uh-huh. we're actually putting like, one guilty person and hundreds of innocent people who didn't well, stop the guilty person. Yeah. One guilty okay. person and, and hundreds of accessories to the crime. <laughs> right. Reading about general anesthesia and how poorly understood the mechanisms of general anesthesia are, but that what it seems like is happening is that there's a bunch of parts of your brain that are still active independently, but you're not, they're not talking to each other. 
and that talking to each other is what you experience as consciousness. That's interesting. And I certainly know from coming out of general anesthesia that I can be talking to people and telling jokes and not be aware of it and telling the same jokes over and over again because I'm also like not hooked up to the part that's remembering it. Yeah. And that is fucking terrifying. An acquaintance of mine was diagnosed with anhedonia, which is... Like the inability to experience pleasure? Right. And wow. he was talking about how he watched a YouTube video of somebody throwing like donuts at a dog in slow motion and the dog was trying to jump up and eat it. But it, the, like the, the treat kept bouncing off the dog's face in slow motion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that while he was watching it, um, he was laughing hysterically and felt nothing. Just like the, the his body was reacting to it as if it was like one of the most pleasurable experiences of the day. Like this is an amazing video, but he didn't feel any pleasure from it at all. Hmm. So, huh? So that's the, cool. The part that can talk to you about whether or not it's experiencing pleasure isn't experiencing any pleasure, but some other part of his brain is having a grand old time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's it's good. It's a. Uh, I would is, be afraid of sleeping. If not for, no, I mean, I am kind of afraid. Well, of me too. It's I really, terrible. I really don't like going to sleep. Uh, but the one thing that, the one thing that I do take some solace in is that there are definitely times when I wake up and I'm aware of having been thinking about stuff before I woke up. Yeah. And I also know that I have dreams that I don't remember. And maybe those dreams are really awesome. <laughs> Like, you know, yeah, like, so like going to sleep is not really like being dead. It's like, it's, you know, not in the sense that like being teleported by a Star Trek transporter kills you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, is there, what's the origin of this conversation? Were you guys discussing an article one of you had read or something like that? No, it was a video that was floating around. I saw it linked to on Reddit, but I was in a position where i couldn't watch it it's good because i i had cut my i had severed my corpus callosum and it was only in front of one eye so i could have watched it but i wouldn't have been able to understand any of the words make sure that gets into the show notes because yeah yeah. i want to see that yeah read about certain really severe cases of uh epilepsy epilepsy. yeah will be treated by a deliberate surgical severing of the corpus callosum, which is the big bundle of nerves between the two hemispheres of the brain that lets them communicate. And that does such fucked up, insane things to the way a human works. Yeah, at that point, you can measurably say that there are now two people in the head. There are two consciousnesses inside this person. And if they are able to communicate with each other indirectly, then um, they will act as if they're one person. But if they're separated from one another, such like so they're not seeing the same thing or hearing the same thing, there's clearly no communication going on between them. But they'll still, like, make shit up to try to act like they're one person. Yep. So that's great. Yeah. Like, the amount of your experience that you will fill in if there is demonstrably no data to back it up is oh, also yeah. horrifying. Yep. Your brain like, is super untrustworthy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, you see almost nothing. I mean, it's amazing. Like, yeah. the, the human eye is like a fucking miracle when you compare it to something like a rock. But, like, <laughs> it's still fucking garbage compared to the way you think it works. Yeah. Like, 
treachery of images. Whew. Uh, my, my favorite book about this subject is called I Am a Strange Loop. Oh, yeah, by, I have a copy of that and haven't read it. Actually. By the same guy whose name I forget who um, wrote Gerda Lesherbach. Gold, uh, uh, Douglas Hofstadter. Hofstadter. That's it, That's yeah. Nice. And it's, it's basically the same material, except that when he wrote Gerda Lesherbach, I don't think he knew what he was writing about. I think he hadn't figured it out yet. Yeah, it's really meandering and... Um, yeah, I, I definitely recommend, having read both, I definitely recommend I Am a Strange Loop as oh, the much more cogent book. Um, and also, uh, damn it, the guy who just died, Oliver Sacks. Oh, he, oh yeah, uh, the man who mistook his wife for a hat. Uh, that, yep. Yeah, he, and he knew about it. That too. He, he, it's good. Oh, man, it's good. Um, there's a... He was like, he was like... He was like all there, all the way to the end, which mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like good or bad, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, no, like he writing about himself losing it. Super interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if Terry Pratchett wrote anything along that same line. Did he have uh, some sort of dementia? Yeah, 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 he had early onset Alzheimer's. Oh, gross. And, and took the took the the uh you know what do you what do you call it euthanasia path when it started to get too much oh. that he couldn't write anymore did he yeah i knew he, i knew he said he was going to but i thought that it i thought that it was like illegal and that he couldn't did did he actually i think he actually did yeah uh, i mean you know it'd be pretty easy to do that on your own <laughs> like happens he, every day yeah i mean he may have gone to a country where it was legal to do it or something mm. i don't know for i don't know do you think story. that if do you think that if uh, Terry Pratchett's wife was listening to him being interviewed on the radio and he said something offensive that she would say, Terry, gross. No. <laughs> well, it depends who is interviewing him. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming it would be Ira Flato. <laughs> I put a cat to sleep recently, a couple of weeks ago, and it was a bummer, but it was clearly like the right thing to do, like yeah. in the moment, like absolutely the correct decision to do right now and it really sucks that we can't do that for people like people who like it, it's clearly the right decision for this person to die right now and you just i think that it is done in a lot of cases like quietly yeah yeah it, like my dad under the table absolutely my dad was definitely just like given enough morphine to yep. do the trick when it was time and you know my 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 grandma was just like all right we're just going to put you in this bed and not feed you anything and you can't feed yourself like so that's like that's a shitty way to die yeah that sounds she wasn't in there anymore you know yeah. fair enough point, it was yeah. like like just so eh, they do I mean I think that when the rubber hits the road that's not the right expression for that <laughs> like like eh, in in practice I think there is a lot of humane euthanasia that does occur within the bounds of it not being legal there's not a lot of just people deciding it for themselves I think that it's a thing that can happen once people can't Really? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I just got the flamethrower and Bloodborne. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> so it's easy mode from here on. 
It's just I never used that much. Lighten up the beast. I haven't actually haven't either. Mm. But there's no way I'm dying from here on. I'm just going to beat the game in one life. It's <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Is that how that That's works? Absolutely true. I'm sure. Are there ranged weapons in Bloodborne? Yeah, it's there actually are, super yeah. weird. They're you you're kind of. <laughs> well, it you you have a gun. Yeah. Okay. And you have a it, gun, but it's not very good as a ranged weapon. It's it's, it's, it's really it's very specific. Yeah, it's for it's for interrupting attacks. Yeah. Okay. And it you know after after you get past how fucking weird it is that you can't just shoot a wolf in the face and it dies, like guns do almost no damage. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are choices like you can choose the the gun that does more damage but does not parry as well and things like that, but. Yeah, for the most part, and then actually in the DLC, there is a uh, there is a weapon that converts between a sword and a bow. And, oh, interesting! And that is actually a fairly decent um, ranged weapon, but it's so it's, it's like weird. a Leonardo Donatello. Uh, Leonardo used a sword, and Donatello used a bow. Oh yeah, I get, oh, okay, nice. all right, yeah. Did you guys really not get that until I explained it? <laughs> I, I, I was I was creeping up on it. So this sounds a lot like the kinds of skills that you would have like in World of Warcraft or something where you have like an interrupt, then you like go up and you hit something with a sword for a while and then you like get out of its attack range. I, it's a lot more yeah, it's not action driven. Like yeah. I it, when it, I remember the uh, combat in World of Warcraft being very much about like waiting for cooldowns and very little about positioning. Like it's, they started, they started adding more of that in, in boss fights. There was a lot. Of yeah, you have to yeah. not stand in the fire. <clears throat> but like a lot of a lot of these games is like about being in the right place and taking advantage of an of an of an opening when you see it. Right, it's knowing, um, learning the, the you tells. know, when he moves his yeah. arm this way, he's going to do this attack and things like that. Yeah, I mean, World of Warcraft. Sorry, rather, Bloodborne does not have to keep track of and report to everyone the positions of everyone at all right. times and make sense no matter what the latency is. Right. Right. So yep. it's, it's not. Although like, it does have. This is not an Apple store and just. Dark Souls has invasions. So you have PvP, is. which does require some. Yeah. And that sort of breaks down sometimes when you have a latency, like you get backstabbed, like because the guy. From your perspective, like teleported from in front of you to behind you, uh, and it's uh, I'm told that um, that Demon Souls is actually it since it has actual servers is way better for that, but um, the Dark Souls series is all player to player. I see. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I've I've been playing that. It's it's cool. It's uh, I've been really enjoying the uh. I, I I like inherently like it took me a long time to warm up to the Dark Souls theme because like fuck medieval castles that that's like super boring. Um, Wait, is there a place you can go to fuck medieval castles? <laughs> well, just any castle. That's how much I like. Yeah, them. you just have you know any just any castle no at all. Just like you'll yeah. find you'll find a place. Yeah, they call them murder holes. <laughs> I use them for a different crime. <laughs> um, I yeah, I, I mean, I think. Like fantasy settings tend to be pretty samey and uninteresting, and it mm. took a long time for me to get to the inter- like to to absorb the interesting part of Dark Souls. But like, 
Vict- Lovecraftian Victorian sort of setting. Like yeah. right, I'm right there immediately. That's yeah, very cool. Same here, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I played uh, some more Pokemon Go. Uh, this is like the beta. This is like not. It's the beta. Okay. Yeah. Um, the I, I did a couple of the uh, the gym battles, and it's weird. It's, it's I, I did not figure out how to do it. Like I lost horribly both times. Is this versus other people or versus? It's well, in opponents? it's against their Pokemon, and like you see the their avatars there, but they're not actually there. Okay. It's it's their it's bots playing their their nice. role. Um it's weird. It's real time. I like it it makes me when I when I play it it makes me think of like what Infinity Blade would be like if there wasn't a tutorial. Okay. <laughs> um but I actually have no idea. Like I actually googled how does the combat in Pokemon Go work? And all I found was like articles talking about, here's what we know about Pokemon Go's combat right. so far. It's real time. It's like speculation because the game isn't out yet. Right. So there's, I couldn't find any documentation. I couldn't find any articles explaining it. Gotta remember and when the internet was good. <laughs> well, this is. <laughs> See, like a month from now, all you'll be able to find is 90 minute videos oh my explaining God. the. I linked like yesterday on Twitter to a video that I found about like how to record video on a Nikon something. And it was just like, Oh yeah, to record video first, you put it in this mode and then you push this button and it took 10 seconds to get the, like 10 seconds into the video. I knew how to do the thing I wanted to know. I watched it even though I didn't give a shit (laughs) because I just wanted to like support that guy. (laughs) It was amazing. I don't own that camera. Do you own that camera? Uh, no, Ben does. We were we were recording some video. This was actually a month ago. I just remembered, like, I remember this video I saw a month ago that was amazing. I'm going to tweet about it. Um, yeah, tutorials. Uh, and I think, like, a lot of it is just that that guy was, is not trying to become a YouTube personality and make money on it. Right. He's actually trying to, you know. Help people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the other observation that I made in the past week about Pokemon Go is that the the mode where you're capturing Pokemon you see on the street, you um, it's an AR kind of a thing where um, it uses the uh, the um, camera. It uses the camera and it uses the accelerometer to like sh- to paint the uh, Pokemon into the world around you. Okay, um, and it. In order to interact with it, you have to hold the phone, you know, kind of horizontally, point it, you know, down the street or whatever, which means that while you're trying to capture this thing, people around you think you're taking photos of them. So that's uncomfortable. And (laughs) is there one, is there one uh, Pokemon that you can only defeat by taking photos of it from down real low pointing (laughs) up in the subway? (laughs) I haven't, haven't gotten to that one yet, but probably. Um, yeah, that's, uh, can I ask a maybe dumb question? All please. of these games that are such and such go is it, does that just mean that they're like mobile? I think devices? so. Like, I think Hitman go is just like, cause you're on a phone and you're going somewhere like presumably. And 
And like Pokemon, same same thing. Yeah. CS:GO is actually Counter Strike Global Offensive or something. That, right? I, I guess. Yeah. It's not yeah. like a, it's not a Go. It's not like a Hitman yeah. Go or a Lara Croft. Go. Yeah. I think maybe that was just supposed to be CS:GO as opposed to CS:GO, but you can't not read "go" as "go." Yeah. That's. Okay. Uh, and then there's that. Uh, you know, like there's the Democrats and then there's the Go P. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the Gop. And then there's the Google programming language Go. There's, there's Go which Warp, is, which is... I mean, Go Goal. Go, go Joe. It's <laughs> Go Ogle. I mean, that's really the only thing you're ever on the internet for. To Go Ogle go, Yeah, Google Glasses to Go Ogle. Yeah, to Go Ogle Glass. <laughs> Philip Glass? <laughs> yep. Ira well, Glass? I mean, to some people. Uh, to, to optimists, it's Philip Glass. <laughs> to pessimists, it's empty of glass. Whoa. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, what uh, What have you been playing, Zach? Uh, basically nothing in Broglio. Um, I played at uh, at Amelia's friend's house in, in Chicago. Um, her, her friend's husband has a uh, Wii U. And I played for the first time some of the Nintendo Land games what is that he described it as he's like it's like the wii sports of the wii u it's like the thing that they ship to like showcase what the hardware can do um there were two games there are a bunch but there were two games that were that we played because they were the interesting ones one was like a tag game where one person is mario and then all of the other players are just like different me's in the system whatever and they all are playing in a split screen and the person who is mario is playing on the gamepad with the screen and they have a view that is equivalent to what the other players are seeing but also a mini map that shows where everyone is so it's just about hiding from them they, they everybody runs at like the same speed and so in order to win the the players who aren't mario have to kind of corner mario and then there's like a sort of a lunge button for tagging to him yeah um, and then another one that I thought was much more interesting, which was like, there was a maze that was haunted house themed and one player was the ghost who was invisible and moving around. And the other players were like ghost hunters who had flashlights with limited batteries that they could turn on. Their controllers would vibrate when the ghost was near them. And so they had to communicate that to the other players and say like, oh, he's close to me. He's close to me. He's close to me. But then if the ghost manages to get behind you without you shining your flashlight on him, the ghost can like sort of kill you in one hit. Hmm. And then another player can resurrect you with their flashlight, I guess. But uh, there was a game made by Nintendo for the GameCube. It was Pac-Man themed. It sounds a lot like that. Do you remember when... They they invented this system where you could plug in GBAs. four GBA yeah. yeah like and it was like that it was Pac Man and the people on the GBAs were the ghosts uh, and the people the, the person on the main screen was Pac Man huh I did not know that they ever did anything other than Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles with that right yeah no they well I, I those are the only two things I can think of so they might be the only two games it. That whole experience was pretty garbagey. It's not. Surprising. Did you actually Did it? do it? So, when Crystal Chronicles came out, like there were like the guys that I worked with 
at the time at my job were we got pretty excited about the idea of it because it sounded great. Sure. And so like all of us who did not have GBAs bought GBAs and we all bought the cables and we all went to the guy's house that had the GameCube and Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles is fucking garbage. It is. It was so bad that we played it for like an hour and we're like, well, this sucks. Okay, yeah, we're not friends anymore. That doesn't surprise me <laughs> at, at all. You got sweet GBAs. The, so, the 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 main problem. I mean, I already had it. I just had to buy like a twelve dollar cable, so it wasn't a big deal for me. But I feel bad for the other dudes. Although get, no, because they got sweet GBAs. Yeah, too. they could play like Final Fantasy Tactics awesome. Advance. Yeah, yeah. Metroid Zero Mission. Yeah, like, there were a lot of good games on the GBA SP. Uh, the Gabasp. Gabasp. It doesn't have. It didn't have a headphone jack. Yeah, that's. It weird. didn't. Yeah, yes. It totally doesn't. Like the you new can iPhone, get an apparently. It does, but yeah. What? Yeah, you, this is breaking news. New iPhone doesn't have a headphone jack. I don't believe you. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's. Um. Uh, the listeners will know whether I'm joking because they'll be on Google right now looking. <laughs> Looking for up this information, they'll go ogle an iPhone scoop. Uh, uh, I, I, I can I can vouch that like I didn't make this up. Maybe I read someone else's joke and misinterpreted it, but I'm pretty sure it's a fact. I, my laptop does not have anything other than this fucked up USB four thing. It has a it has a headphone it has a jack. headphone jack. Yeah, even so, even that. Yeah, even these things where the charger is not differentiated from where you would ostensibly plug in peripherals if you had the ability to connect other things to it, which you can get for just an eighty dollar dongle. Mm-hmm. But it still has a headphone jack. Yeah, what are they going to do with all these earbuds? Shove them in your ears. They're they're earplugs now. Mm. <laughs> I left my earbuds next to the the vent on my laptop and they melted no but like i just i remember like i picked them up i was like i'm gonna listen to something now i put them in my ears i I don't know if you guys have ever worn warm earbuds Mm -mm. oh was it delightful it was i don't know i didn't i couldn't tell whether i liked it Mm. oh no do you not know if you like anything anymore (laughs) i don't know if i like ear stuff like (laughs) i have to Try out some ear play in the bedroom. Um, it was just like, it made me think, you know how, you know... Does April listen to this podcast? Sometimes. Are you secretly trying to communicate your desires to her by <laughs> presenting them as a joke to thousands of people? Oh, yeah. They're, they're, she loves when I do that. It's, <laughs> it's her favorite. Oh, that's her thing? That's, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing she asked you to do on her podcast? Yeah. <laughs> uh. I don't think I ever actually said that April was my girlfriend on this podcast, so you just outed her. Oh, right. You know, Amelia was talking to me about this. She was like, well, so the first three times that he mentioned her, he said my girlfriend, and then he started just referring to her as April without ever saying my girlfriend. Oh, I'm sorry. My girlfriend Amelia said this to me. (laughs) (laughs) So that, like, she was like, you were establishing the tropes of, like, how how we do this. On this podcast. Right. Yes. And the, the tropes are we do it pretty half ass. Yeah, I mean I don't know. I don't I'm not trying to hide anything, but I also like don't feel like I don't know, it's weird being open about it. Like Yeah, well, it's a weird public thing. Uh-huh. Living it's not life. a thing that most people have to w- worry about. Right. Yep. But hey, we're lucky that people are listening to us. That's true. I feel lucky. Do you? 
or do you feel nervous and on the spot? <laughs> See, they can be both. How about, how about now? <laughs> it can be both. What uh, What have you been playing, Riff? Uh, nothing new. Just uh, I'm nearly done with Pokemon Soul Silver, and I'm nearly done with Dark Souls Three. Okay. So that means soon I'll be moving on to Pokemon Platinum and... Dark Souls 4! Dark Souls 4! Actually, probably I'll go back and do New Game Plus for Bloodborne. Cool. Do you know about the New Game Plus for that? Do you know if it's better than the New Game Plus I, for Dark Souls? I, I, Heartstone, I don't Heartstone. think it does. Heartstone, Heartstone, Heartstone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it does new stuff like it like it does in the Souls games. Because like in... in in Dark Souls 2, there were different enemy placements, and in Dark Souls 3, oh, you okay. find different treasures. Okay, but yeah. I think Bloodborne is just the same again, but harder. But you get to start with all the stuff you had. Right, okay. So. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Oh, man, you know what I forgot that was the whole reason that I wanted to talk about the movie Sunshine in the first place? After playing Tharsis, like... The chain of influence from the movie Sunshine to the video game Tharsis is like incredibly clear. Like, is there the, like a slasher that shows up in the last there, eighth there, of Tharsis? There is not, but so much of Tharsis works the way that stuff in Sunshine works. Like the different roles that people have and the, the like, I mean, not that like, oh, the idea of like a multinational spaceship crew, but like, it seems pretty evident that whoever made Tharsis saw and liked Sunshine and was inspired by the way that that spaceship operated to make a game with the very specific narrative and systems that Tharsis has. And I guess it could be a coincidence, but like, it was just, do you ever, do you ever have those moments where you see something and you're like, oh, like, obviously the person who made this thing saw this thing first. Yeah, usually about frog fractions. <laughs> sure. Yeah, fair enough. I always want to like be that guy who's like, "Did you were you inspired by my game?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's a weird one because like sometimes it's going to be clear and sometimes it's not. Yeah, right? like yeah. you might somebody might accidentally also be cool <laughs> instead of yeah. just be, trying to be cool by emulating you. Right. Yeah. It's mm, well, well, turns out the candy box person is just like. Really creative. How dare they? Yeah. Did you see that there's now a uh, Frog Fractions 2 Wikipedia page? I did. I saw it was nominated for deletion, and I deliberately oh, chose man. not to is, read the conversation about is that. Is Frog Fractions 2 less interesting than the least interesting Pokemon? I think, <laughs> I think it is objectively more interesting than the least yeah. interesting Pokemon. I don't, think, I don't think the individual Pokemans have their own pages anymore. Whoa. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah, That's some sort of weird, like recursive thing where now n they're not interesting anymore so nothing can possibly be interesting so wikipedia <laughs> just has to shut down i, I feel like if the I keep giving them money every year <laughs> i feel like if the frog fractions two page gets rolled into the frog fractions one page and that information is still there mm. i think that would be pretty reasonable honestly i get the impression that once Frog Fractions 2 is like a thing that people know can and can point to as a physical or rather a file on the internet. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's going to be a lot more concrete to the sort of person who decides whether to delete a Wikipedia page. But 
it's so much more interesting now than it will be then. Yeah, I mean, it seems clear that this that the search for Frog Fractions 2 is Frog Fractions 2 mm. more than Frog Fractions 2 will be Frog Fractions 2. Yeah, right? you know. I I'm, mean, I'm the doing, search for Spock was more <coughs> Spock than Spock is I'm, Spock. I'm doing what I can to close the gap, but it's not going to ever be fully closed. Like, the, it's, the search is going to be way more interesting no matter what I do. Maybe what you should do is publish when you're done, when uh, when when you release Frog Fractions 2... Actually, or when people discover it. Or when it. people discover it. Oh, maybe it's too late for you to do this. But uh, I'm I'm not going to react to have, what you're saying. Have, have the uh, I mean I don't I don't actually know one way or the other because I haven't been privy privy to any of your guys's uh, conversations about it. <laughs> but um, if it's not too late, the splash screen for it should actually say Frog Fractions Three. That is my secret dream, is that you've been gaslighting us the entire time. (laughs) And that when the thing you're working on comes out, it will be Frog Fractions 3, because Frog Fractions 2 has been out for a year. Yeah. Just let everyone think they just haven't found it yet. Nothing would make me happier than that. Okay. That's that's, that's a cool idea, Riff. (laughs) Man. You... It... (laughs) Having a public life is not compatible with your art with yeah in a lot of ways yeah i it but you can't it's not the kind of art that can exist independent of some kind of public life i don't think like anything that to some extent like relies on internet hype in order to be a thing has to be in this new paradigm of like creator accessibility that's interesting. Or it just doesn't work. I well, I, I think it wouldn't work for us, but like I think uh, a different audience would totally be amenable to like a uh, a mysterious product where the mystique is entirely generated by a PR firm. Well, okay, sure, but somebody somebody has to do the public part of it. Yeah, there has to be a public part of it, and like wacky artsy internet projects like ours there aren't enough people for the yeah part of it to not also be the creative part of it yeah that's true man the world rules <laughs> i'm so glad to be alive now instead of like a hundred or a thousand or a hundred thousand years oh ago. my god that a no, hundred thousand years ago i've just been some fucking shitty monkey no question <laughs> no contest <laughs> But man, imagine the us a hundred thousand years from now thinking, man, I sure feel sorry for all those people who were born that's a, before that's a we bad rabbit death. hole. You don't want to yeah. go down, Zach. Oh, I know. It's like buying PC hardware. It's like <laughs> you know this is going to get cheaper. <laughs> I should wait six months, but in six months you know that it's going to be cheaper, so I should wait six more months. Eventually, you just got to PC. So, you know, those scenes in movies where, like, you see people, like, in, oh, this person's in the 18th century, um, and they're doing 18th century stuff, and they seem happy enough. They probably were. Yeah. I read this letter that Benjamin Franklin wrote to somebody about how, like, yeah, people are talking about how it's like, maybe we could uh, solve death by pickling our bodies (laughs) and putting them in barrels until science figures out how to cure us. (laughs) Like, ah, fuck. 
(laughs) (laughs) Nothing new. Yep. Hmm. Man, I wish we had pickled Ben Franklin. Just because I want to taste it. so delicious. Not not because I think we'd be able to bring him back to life now. I just want to know what he tastes like. (laughs) Probably pretty vinegary. Yeah. Yeah. Might be able to vape him. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. I mean, really. Every time you vape... At least one molecule of your vape is is from Julius Caesar's last vape. <laughs> from all the propylene glycol, whatever whatever that noxious substance is they make it make it out of. Discoursing through his veins was going to be the end of that sentence. Speaking of veins, this assignment, anatomy. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I I actually got to the end of it. Uh, it oh nice, super friggin' creepy. But the fact that there's no jump scares and nothing chasing you made it so possible. did you need like i i you were talking about how you wouldn't didn't know if you'd be able to finish it um and last i had heard you had given up oh it wasn't that i had given up i had just i i had stopped after two go-arounds and then uh like this afternoon before the show i went and finished it okay yeah how did you guys see anything in this? I, so this space? game is really like unpolished, and I think it was just like you, it interacted badly with your monitor. Like this yeah. game needs gamma settings way more than any game that actually has gamma. Like yeah. it's it's ter- move the slider until you can see the dragon, but not the skull. <laughs> yeah. right. But like, which is all, the answer to that is always move the slider all the way up. Uh, right, like, I've, I've tried that. I've tried actually putting it where it says to, and I never notice a difference. So, like, these games, obviously, this game needed it. I, this game has serious, like, visibility issues. Yeah. Well, that's that's partially the point, but... Partially, you, yeah. Yeah, you don't want it to be Well, and, and and that's the thing. Like, it's trying to calibrate the visibility to, like, a very specific level, right. but... Which is, like, hand in with, front of your face and no farther. Because right. this is a thing that uh, people are not going to find, probably. We should just describe. what Like, this is a game that was for sale on itch.io. It is a first-person game where you're you're moving around using clearly the default Unity first-person yeah. controller. Because right. you can jump and crouch and sprint. <laughs> yeah. Which are not things that are... Ever to- useful. Not things that are, like, tonally consistent Jump with the game. on top of the... Doorknobs and stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. I want to see speedruns of this. Ooh. Yeah, but they... Mm, also, man. there's no uh, way to invert the mouse, which sucked. Also, if you hit escape, it just fucking quits and resets your progress. <laughs> well, not all the way. It resets, not- it resets it back to your most recent... Yeah, but you don't know that in the beginning. I mean, I got like 10 minutes in, and then the pizza guy showed up, and I hit escape to pause it. Oh, yeah. And and it just quit to desktop. I'm like, "Ah, fuck. And so then I remembered that I hadn't ordered pizza, and I was kind of (laughs) stoned. And who are you? (laughs) (laughs) No, I I didn't remember that I had ordered pizza. I ordered Indian food from the pizza place, which is an Indian pizza place. (laughs) Anyway... Uh, <laughs> well, I was trying to make it spooky. I, w- I was like at home by myself, and I wanted it to be spooky. And I like turned all the lights off and put so on the headphones. I ordered pizza and then started playing the game. Like, <laughs> oh, okay, I shouldn't have done that. But does uh, does Indian food like a friend of mine says Indian food gives him nightmares? Like some Ooh. some 
chemical in like a I spice. I think your friend uh. is just a racist. <laughs> I maybe. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it, but I also think it gives him nightmares. Yeah, it could be. He, he doesn't like. So, he doesn't like the cumin. That something like that. Like that curry. Yeah. So anyway. So, so I like Indian food is just scarier than most I tried to play it last delivery. night in the dark so that it would be spooky and or maybe the night before last I don't remember uh, and just lost all of my progress after listening to three of the tapes or whatever and then I ran it again played the first tape realized that it doesn't unlock the second tape until the first play- tape is finished playing it was like fuck this game and walked away and then I finally played all the way through it like this afternoon when it was broad daylight and not scary at all. Also, this game just isn't scary. <laughs> it, the, I think it's part t- of what makes it not scary is that we're game developers and we know that like an 80 megabyte executable isn't like with, with this budget isn't going to have anything super, maybe not, not surprising, but like there's certainly not going to be any animation yeah, there's not going to be like an amnesia style scary enemy that you have to contend with or something like there's never anything in this. Ha- you're just like moving around a house and you find a tape player. If you're lucky, Kevin never found the tape player. I, I did eventually, did eventually. but I, like I wandered for half an hour and most of the doors at that point were locked. All of the doors are locked. I so think. like you were walking down like two halls repeatedly. Well, I couldn't tell. Yeah, like, it. I just was ah. hugging. I was just doing the like, hold your hand on the right wall to navigate the maze thing because you can see just barely enough to. But do there that. are places where even that just is just pitch black. Like I, you can't see the floor or the wall or the ceiling. And it, if you go into the living room and turn on, there's a lamp and a television, and you can turn both of them on, and then that the light shines TV into most was not of interactable. the rooms. Maybe that's only on subsequent. Yeah, I think TV playthroughs. is on. So it, I didn't notice. That so, the lamp was- the, so this game, I, to me, the 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 central idea of this game is you know how there's all these videos on YouTube of like this is a VHS tape that I played and then I dubbed it to another VHS tape right. and this is it getting distorted and then I dubbed it to another VHS tape and this is it getting more distorted. This game is as though that was happening to subsequent copies of a video game except they were getting more and more sort of like dark and fucked up in addition to getting more distorted mm-hmm. and glitchy and I think that is a fucking phenomenal idea yeah. and this was a pretty good execution yep. of that idea. I hmm. agree. And, and I think that the the sloppiness of it the like the like one guy made this using a lot of default unity tools nature of this actually really supports the theme of it that's that's cool yeah it takes it's it's a little impenetrable to begin with though right like if you don't find the tape recorder yeah, and it'll like I, so you find it, you find a tape of, you find a tape recorder with a tape next to it, and there's like some audio of a guy like like basically like this British guy like reading the Wikipedia article for House. Uh, it's the, it's the more like an show. like an essay like it, it's definitely constructed to um to fit the uh, the things the game has you doing, and it's it's a little bit more original research than the Wikipedia allows. Sure, it's, and it's, it's like more florid. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I, I feel like it, uh, the, the game stays impenetrable for a while. Yeah. Like, there's a, it takes a, too long to get going. I there's think. a, there's a text file in 
the directory install directory that you it says to read after you play it and it basically says okay now run the game again for in the next part of the game yeah and like it kind of would be nice if that wasn't necessary like i, I don't know I, why it had to quit to desktop i think it says when you buy it that you should play it multiple times to get all the endings right okay okay then, so yeah, i that, i knew that, that read me file tells you like if you're seeing this that's the last ending yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it does. Like, you play it, it gets to a point, it crashes to desktop. And then when you run it again, it's different. It's like a distorted, yeah. fucked up version of the previous one, yeah. which Super when cool. you finish it, it crashes to desktop. And when you run it again, it's a more distorted, fucked up version of that until it just goes nuts. And it's... Uh, man, I am so into that. <laughs> and then there's like a text file that tells you how to reset it if you want to. But... I don't know that, like, based on the experience of it having just quit when I hit escape the first time, I was not at all sure that the ending crash to desktop on the first playthrough was deliberate. Hmm. Yeah. I also got to a thing in my, like, in the third from the last playthrough that I just, like, escape wasn't bound and I didn't figure out how to end it, so I just had to alt F4. When you're, like, running around in a gigantic outdoor environment with, like, a lake in the middle of it. Whoa, I didn't I didn't get that part. That. Huh. Well. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so Weird. there's, there's, like, the basement, like, swallows, like, eats you. All the teeth come in. Right. And then it teleports you to what is, like, like a guts giant room no that the guts was on the next the next time i oh. ran it yeah for, for the, me as, as soon as like the televisions and the doors and stuff without quitting. huh yeah I, I, for me the game quit as soon as i saw the teeth in the basement so the teeth in the basement grew and grew and grew and then it teleported me to a really really large outdoor area like that took like minutes and minutes to Go Traverse. in a circle around. Huh. And it was just, I think, a square with basement walls on the outside of it, like white brick walls. The ground looked kind of like a tongue. There was a, there was just a lake in the middle of it that was shallow and you just walked through at your normal speed or whatever. And it was filled with those like weird laser rays going everywhere and trees. Just there were just like trees everywhere. Huh. But it was a gigantic constructed environment that I just wandered around for like a half an hour and didn't find anything. And then I just alt F Ford. That's super weird. That, that sounds like it was a glitch, but a very, like it, it also sounds like that was a deliberately constructed place. Okay, there's no water anywhere else in the, yeah. like this, th like it was obviously on an on purpose thing, but I don't, I didn't do anything like tricky to get there. Like, right. Maybe it only happens to, like, one out of five people or something. Ah. Bizarre. Weird. Kevin, did you get all the way through to the end? And no. no? I, I literally was just getting angry about you, Like, how you didn't find the tape recorder. Yeah, well, it took me half an hour to find the tape recorder, and then I slowly, like, I got through two tapes or something like that, and I was like, this is just, like, banging my head against a wall, just trying to find locations. I did find the darkness more frustrating than atmospheric. 
Yeah. But like eventually you like the house is really not very big and like eventually you just learn your way around it and so it hmm. becomes like Yeah, you have to be able to see anything at all to do that though. Yeah, so. that's true. You you know, it's it the first time through every time you play a tape it finishes and then there's like closed captioning. Like also the game is ostensibly fictionally framed in a VHS tape that you're watching. It starts with like a blue screen with a date marker on it. And there's, there's like the scan line VHS compression artifacts all throughout it. And when you, when you finish one of the tapes, it puts a closed caption at the bottom that tells you where the next tape is. Yeah. But then those closed captions start to glitch out the way that actual broadcast closed captions do when the signal degrades. Right. Which is one of my favorite things in the world. And it never happens. It starts filling with profanity and stuff. Being at a boy. Yeah. It starts, it starts (laughs) screaming and telling you that it's, that your house is going to eat you. Being at a bar where the closed captioning is glitching out just enough that it's fucking up words in like whatever Bob Costas is saying or whatever is like that that is a moment in time that no one will ever be able to go back to that is just for me the perfect experience of being at a bar is like just <laughs> laughing uproariously at the fact that some football player's name just had like one letter changed in it to a different name that made it sound funny it eventually gets to the point where it stops telling you where the tapes are and you just have to remember what room they were in next. Yeah. But then it starts changing the order. Yeah. You kind of just have to go to every room. Like eventually it just unlocks all the doors all the time. Yeah. But I, I feel like know, that was like a pretty a pacing mistake because I spent a lot of time looking for that and it wasn't yeah, interesting. Me too. I kind of wish that there had been one fewer step. Like if every room that you yeah. went into when you didn't know where the next tape was, was different than it was the last time you had been there then you'd be seeing a bunch of new shit but that doesn't happen until the next time yeah through i was also starts to get really glitchy i was also waiting for some like house of leaves style geometry changing around you and i'm not i'm actually not sure if it happened because it was too dark to tell oh but i did get the sense of like things sort of shifting or or fish-eyeing or 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 walls tilting oddly, but it yeah. was not so much that I could tell for certain if it was if it was actual or just the creepiness and the darkness. It's it's nice I'm I imagine working in an aesthetic where like mistakes can start to seem like a deliberate artistic choice. Yeah. Like I open this door, but there's still a door there. Yeah. That's probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> like that. I actually interpreted as, um, like in a hotel where you can have two suites. Yeah. I interpreted that as a door going into like another bedroom adjacent, except there is no room over there. And I thought there would be eventually be like a reveal of like, like a, a walled off bedroom. Right. Um, Right, that's like another a thing that's overlapping in space with the dining room or something. Yeah, well, it was it was like a, it was upstairs. It was upstairs. It was a big empty space above the garage with no doors leading to it, mm. except for the one that was always locked. So maybe that's where that lake was. It's weird that none of you guys. Yeah, like that, because yeah. I don't feel like this is a game where you really make choices or explore anything, no, and it's yeah. weird that that completely and. 
Was there a fly on the edge of the screen? And There was, and I kind of scrubbed over until I was able to see it completely, and then it appeared in my bedroom. And right. I wasn't playing it in the bedroom. Is is that a, from a movie that I should watch? Yeah, it's from yeah. the American version of The Ring. Oh, I did watch that. Yeah. It's pretty good. That part is really good. Like, all of the parts about the technology are are really good. Uh, the fact that the uh, that guy who played... Uh, Captain O'Hagan from Super Troopers is like a crazy man who eventually commits suicide with a bunch of power strips. That's a pretty awesome suicide. I don't remember that, but as movie suicides go, when when was that? The English version of The Ring, like two thousand two, maybe. That was the last piece of fiction that I remember scaring me to the point where it affected my life outside of the work, hmm. where like I wasn't willing to turn off the lights to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I've, and since then, like, at, I don't know, like when I made this transition or if it was gradual, I just have not been ever scared, that scared, scared by any work of fiction. A couple of years ago, I watched, I was in Arizona in my big house there by myself and I watched Hellraiser in the middle of the night and then I was like, I should go get another beer. And I went downstairs to get another beer. And I was like, fuck, I am scared. Yeah. Like, I remember in that. A, I in remember a way that, that I used to be scared when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like when something scary would happen and I would be in some part of my grandma's giant house that like was just all dark and that was like familiar, but like quasi unfamiliar because it's nighttime. Like, it's like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I, I still get the like, like glancing out the window and sort of half expecting there to see, to see some fucked up shit out there. Or like I'm walking through the house in the dark and like half expecting something to jump in front of me, but it's just distant enough now that I never like actually react to that. Kind of like what we were talking about with anesthesia, like th- those parts of my brain, I'm aware of them, but they don't, ever affect me anymore, which is a nice place to be. It, it allows me to like, to absorb. Um, I, I really like the aesthetics of horror. Uh, and I, I like the, the momentary thrill it provides, but like, I was never really into like, yeah. And okay. Now I can't sleep. That's that part isn't, was is never that great. It, I was so like prohibited from sleeping as a child yeah. by having watched nightmare on elm street oh my god yeah and uh i saw that as an adult so i feel lucky mm. that uh i bet that would have been terrible i watched it over and over and over again too i was obsessed with it during the day and then terrified by it at night i uh, uh that was the first scary movie i saw and it mm. definitely affected me i saw my parents let me watch the shining when i was like five <laughs> whoa i know i know man it's like and <laughs> it I maybe they thought I was asleep or something. Oh yeah, that's like not a decision that they would make. But man, that fucked me up. the The woman in room two thirty seven. Yeah, I like I to this day, I will only ever buy transparent shower curtains. Like if I go into somebody's bathroom to pee and they have an opaque shower curtain, I like am too scared to piss until I make sure that there is not like a rotting corpse lady in the shower. Like I will invade people's privacy by looking behind their shower curtains to make sure that the shower is empty. 
like before I am physically not scared enough to be able to piss. Yeah. Like that just remains 35 years later. Ugh. That part of the book is fucking terrifying. Maybe it wouldn't have been if I hadn't been so scared of that part of the movie, but man, that like the shining is the only book I have ever read where I was like scared reading it. Like, that's awesome. I could see that making sense as a thing that, like, put that dude on the map as, like, oh, yeah, this guy writes scary shit. Because mostly Stephen King stuff is just kind of cool fantasy with, like, a kind of a dark edge to it, right? But Yeah. Yeah, The Shining was fucking scary. What's our next assignment? This was good. Thank you, Riff. Oh, yeah. for, sure thing. Like, I never would have found out about this, and I really, really enjoyed it a lot. I forget where I saw it originally. Uh, rock, paper, shotgun, maybe? I don't know. So our next assignment is, I believe it's expand. Yeah, this is a, uh, this is suggested by uh, video games, hot dog, Patreon backer, Teddy, uh, good old echo phantom who uh, we, we hung out with in, uh, in Seattle a couple weeks ago. And uh, it is a steam game. It reminds me from looking at it of that circa infinity game that we played at Indiecade and talked about a little bit where you're kind of running around on some circles. It's a simple, abstract, arcadey kind of thing. Cost a couple bucks on Steam, and I'm excited to play it. All right. Cool. You know, speaking of which, this episode of Video Games Hot Dog, like all episodes of Video Games Hot Dog now, is brought to you entirely by the generous support of our Patreon backers. If you go to patreon.com slash VGHD, uh, you can become one of those if you want to. We're still getting a trickle of people coming in. We're edging up on $300 American for recording this episode tonight. And you know what? I would pay $300 to have the kind of fun that I've had recording this episode <laughs> with you guys. I really would. This is We can f- sell tickets to the podcast. This has been fucking great. You just sell them to me. You can sell tickets to me, to <laughs> okay. the podcast, for 300 bucks every time. That's great. And I'll, I'll just pay it. I'll pay it like a sucker. And guys, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> but thank you so much uh, to, to, to all of our listeners for, for you know, being cool and listening to us and, and you know, making it a thing worth doing, but thank you especially to our Patreon backers who like got Jim here on the train and are gonna sure are gonna did. are gonna spend the like twelve dollars it costs to get us all this game that Teddy generously suggested is a cheap game as opposed to you know using the entirety of an episode's budget for us to all buy a sixty dollar game that we hate. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Patreon, thanks guys. Sorry, I'm tired. Somebody else needs to end the show. We don't owe you shit. <laughs> Be excellent to each other. <laughs> that that too. Have a great week, yes. everybody. Good night. Good night.